Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. In a recent episode, I shared with you the conversation about commitment and our fears of commitment, and what commitment can mean for us. I expressed in that episode, it was my most recent solo episode, if you're not familiar, I expressed in that episode that Kai and I had had a conversation about the alchemy of commitment, the space that can be created by two people to deepen, oh my gosh, so many things. And this episode was recorded when we did a live series on the app Mind, M-I-N-E apostrophe D. And if you want to check out the whole series, you can go to markgroves.doyoumind, which is D-O-Y-O-U-M-I-N-E-D.com. So markgroves.doyoumind.com. And the series is called Liberated Love. And I wanted to share this episode with you because it felt just like such a beautiful conversation with my fiance to be able to put into words what we have continued to create together that feels just so meaningful and in a lot of ways so poetic and deepening. And I just have so much reverence for her as a human being and what she creates and that I get to share this adventure, this deepening of both of our hearts. And I'm I'm sort of, you know, that saying, building the plane as it's flying, that's what it sort of feels like in terms of the relationship that we're creating. It's unlike anything I've ever been part of, and it's requiring skills I've never had, and I'm going to depths I've never been to. I love the word alchemy, and I wanted to share with you a writing from Francis Weller that I think really speaks to the term alchemy and what I really believe can be sort of the potent nature of what a relationship can offer, I think you're really going to love it. And and it might be helpful to close your eyes as you hear it, or to sit still, or, you know, stare at a river, whatever might be your opportunity. Even if it's at an interstate, just make sure you're driving still. Don't close your eyes when you're driving. 
Francis Weller is one of my favorite teachers, and he's been a guest on the podcast. And one of my favorite teachings from his is an audio series called The Alchemy of Initiation. And so this is a piece of his writing. There are times more akin to seasons when we are brought down into the terrain of shadows. These times are not caused by something happening in our daylight world, nor by history or genetic inheritance. It seems we are required to periodically surrender and meander in the vast, uncharted terrain of the underworld. These are times initiated by soul. Most of us will have times like this. They will descend upon us as they say, in quotes, out of the blue. In truth, it is more blue bending towards black. In alchemy, these seasonal migrations were called times in the negredo, or the blackening. This is helpful to see that this is an inevitable and necessary time, a time of shedding and letting go, of sitting close to the furnace of death, as it cooks away all that is spent and no longer serving life. Our time in the Negredo is a period of dissolution. Old patterns and perceptions, old, outworn identities begin to dissolve as we are unmade. Things fall apart. There is an unraveling, an emptying of hope and an undermining of our great heroic enterprise to be in control and rise above our suffering. We are taken down to the ground and asked to dance the wild dance of no hope. Anyone who has ever been escorted into the underworld knows full well how uncharted this place feels. We are without fixed stars, known destinations, familiar markers or guideposts. The Negredo was called the subtle dissolver in alchemy and was viewed as a necessary element in the great work of creating the philosopher's stone. The work had only commenced through the attainment of the Negredo. Only when the familiar structures were eroded was it possible for something new to arise. It is difficult for us to see our time in the underworld as something required for the deepening of our soul life. One major challenge to this understanding is that we are highly conditioned to strive for the light, to rise above everything and overcome every obstacle. Not so when soul pulls us downward. We meet a different self in this grotto of darkness, someone closer to the dream world and comfortable in shadowed places. This one knows about melancholy and hasn't been swept up in the pursuit of the light. We need to know this other one who is more kindred with the nature of shimmering moonlight and soul than the brilliant sunlight of consciousness. This self sees through the layers of conditioning we all endure that oppress and domesticate. This one expresses something true and alive, whether through the complex rhythms of the blues, in the shades of nuanced speech, or in the tender intimacy of vulnerability. This other is inclined to silence, the night sky the poetry of Neruda and Mikado, and the friendship of solitude. When we find ourselves walking through the ink-black night of the underworld, we quickly begin looking for the exit door. The old myths and the teachings of alchemy suggest we take a different direction. The work, they say, is to move closer to the heart of the darkness. The alchemist said it clearly. The work is to make the black blacker than the black the color of the raven's head. Not exactly the news we were hoping for. Those words from Francis really speak to how I see a lot of relationship in life, that old parts of us have to die, and there's something sacred about the container of commitment that sort of 
honors that space and that death and that there is a birth of something different, not just in the relationship, in the container that is shared, but that there is a death of old ways, old traumas, old patterns, and something else must be born to honor that space. And the space itself must be treated as such. And so I'm so excited to share this episode with you. And once again, I remind you, if you want to check out the full series, you can check it out on the Mind app. And you can go to markgroves.doyoumind.com. And remember, mind is M-I-N-E-D. And a quick reminder, wherever you listen to the podcast, please go give it a five-star review and a written review. That's one way that you can really help support the podcast. And so without further ado, here is The Alchemy of Commitment. I'm Kyle Macbeth. What's up? I'm Mark Groves. I have bad lighting, but I have a good heart. So let's dive in. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks so much for being here. This is our final session of our Liberated Love series, and we've absolutely loved being in conversation with all of you as we continue to peel back the layers of what it means to live in integrity and cultivate that in relationships. So today's session is all about the alchemy of commitment. Mm. The alchemy of commitment. So define alchemy first. Yeah. You know, alchemy is like when you bring water and fire together and it creates heat and uh, water transforms, it becomes bubbles and it becomes steams. It's like there's commitment creates, I feel like that in our bodies, in our beings, in our relational dynamics. And I'll mm. expand on that a little bit more, but it's like, okay, this commitment is cooking me. Something inside of me is being tended to as I say yes, or as I step into a deeper commitment. And there are things that I might need to address within myself um, maybe old fears or patterns or strategies that that need to be cooked, that need to be transformed in the heat of that commitment. You just made me go on a rant down like a whole different uh, line of inquiry, but that's what I was thinking when I came up with this title. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that it's essential, like the commitment is is essential for the alchemical process, for the cooking. Yes. The The commitment is actually part of the alchemy right? Like it's not only necessary as a container, like the, the agreements you have with you and your partner, the agreements you have with yourself that are important as you enter partnership and are within partnership and then commitment itself as an ingredient. So it's both the container and actually a necessary aspect. And there's, what's that quote that you have, babe? It's the bigger the commitment, the faster our resistance rises or shadows (laughs) rise to be met in the container of that commitment. Yeah. It makes me think of a quote from Abraham Hicks, where she says, whatever you desire or put out into the world as what mm-hmm. you want to create. And, and we're talking about relationships here. The universe will organize in a way to make sure that everything you have that's unhealed and, or in the way of creating that will be brought forward to be healed. And um, I think that just pairs so nicely with the quote that you shared. I think it does too, (laughs) because it's true. It's like, oh, I want this. I'm directing my attention, intention, 
um, energy in this way. And anything that stands in the way of that deepening or intention has to be met, has to be examined and integrated or processed or transformed in order for us to continue to align with what it is that we truly desire. So out of curiosity, when you hear the word commitment, and there's a lot of beautiful questions coming in, so I'm hoping, babe, you can field some of those. Um, when you hear the word commitment, what comes up for you? What sensation or story is present? Because it's a big word. It is like the word marriage, you know? Lack of Some freedom, people, fear. Yeah. Lack of freedom, fear, failure. A little fear, fear, mm-hmm. work, <laughs> work, work. And work, what does that work, feel work. like, Robert? Because I think that's a good word, but it's like, is it like the good work? Or is it like, ooh, this feels dreadful or this feels like a lot? Lack of freedom, right? It's a big one coming up here. Discomfort, Discomfort. safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does safety feel like? I feel like it feels like an exhale. Like it feels like surrender, softening. Like commitment is actually necessary for softening, but isn't it Mm -hmm. interesting how it's associated with hardening right now? Like Mm -hmm. in this conversation, partner, what is the feeling you get from a partner then? Since you're saying commitment brings up the thought of partner, pressure, accountability, Yeah, I'm seeing this thread of the lack of freedom of this commitment or this yes is going to become handcuffs. And when I make that commitment, yeah, when I make that commitment or when I step forward, then I have to stay. Yeah, commitment equals maturity, disappointment, choice. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's finish this sentence. When I commit Mm -hmm. to someone, when I've committed to people, they. Mm, That's a good one. And I'd love to see it in the chat. Leave. Mm-hmm. They hurt me, cheat on me, don't choose me back, disappoint, plow, constant work, let me down, disappoint, don't commit back, let me down, mm-hmm. take advantage, haven't shown up, get complacent. Okay, mm-hmm. let's look at the other side. When I commit or someone commits to me, I lose, lose myself, myself self abandon, panic, mm-hmm. feel safe. Yes, really. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm afraid they're the wrong person. Self abandon, feel aligned. Great. Come ungrounded, want to run, chase. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's like some of us run, some of us chase, very few of us stand still. That's the whole goal. Right? Um, And that's just it those attachment (laughs) dynamics of anxious or avoidance and figuring out okay, what's the journey? back to earn secure of that internal foundation of safety, which allows me to maintain autonomy, connection to self and be in relationship. And hopefully throughout this journey of liberated love, we've talked about some of the components that are necessary in order to walk that pathway. But it's, it's a process, right? It's the alchemy of like, oh my God. It gosh. really is. <laughs> and, and it needs to bring up all this stuff. Because if you don't recognize where the story already goes with commitment, or the mm-hmm. constriction that is around commitment, yeah. or the self-abandonment, or the fear, or the anxiety, then you will actually have relational outcomes that continue to perpetuate that story because you're not even aware that what you're trying to do is avoid recreating that story, but ultimately recreating that story, either within the relationship itself, like um, self-abandonment, or being a, my fear of being abandoned by you actually makes me abandon me. So I get to keep you, but I've lost me. Do you see like, there's always these trade-offs till you bring it to your awareness mm-hmm. and bring it forward, as Kai said earlier, and let it cook you, right? Like if we can let the truth that we want to run from love or run towards it 
but never really stand still and face it, which is ultimately what liberated love is, is to not have to leave yourself, to leave your footprint, to leave your foundation, then now we have to face the barrage or the storm or the space, because I would say the barrage or the storm is normally when we want to run towards it. We're anxiously chasing and meeting it versus feeling the space and what's in it. Mm. So, oh man, like I think of, I saw someone say that this subject hurts my stomach or makes my stomach hurt. And the other sentence I'd just be curious for people to just finish is where commitment or the thought of it lives in my body is. Mm. And then if that part of my body could speak and express what it wants to say, it might say, and you'll get some really interesting somatic wisdom that lives within your brilliant, beautiful, incredible Yoda-esque um, body. Breathe into me. Don't leave me. Oh, don't leave me. Like you could just feel that, right? It's like, mm. don't leave me. I love what Andrea just asked that question right there. Is commitment a sort of joint ritual into a new identity? I associate alchemy with a sort of death. I mean, I could not agree more with the transmutation process of, of letting a relation. I mean, liberated love is a continual invitation to create a space for small d death and then rebirth, like life, death, life, death. It's like a continual process of I trust and honor and have reverence for your soul and your path. And I'm committed to creating the space with you until that no longer feels aligned for both of us, for us to continue to grow and expand. Now that's. No, I love it. And because I see so many beautiful yeah. um, awarenesses of one's body's experience of the word commitment. Mm. Let's, let's, let's tap into the body a little more. Finish this sentence. If I was to ask that part of my body, what I might need to soften into commitment, it might say, Mm, good one. And I'm really curious what these parts of us that are brought in trust. Trust yourself. Mm. And then we might ask, sleep, sleep, sleep. I like that. <laughs> and then we might ask, what skill set might I need to develop in order to trust and surrender into commitment and trust commitment? Mm. Right. And even, <sighs> sorry, I'm just. But no, keep so many, going, baby. There's just so many good ones. Um, Boundary work, let go, feel the bond of trust. Disciplining yeah, myself. Mm. I'm kind of just sitting with like how the commitment to self is is the foundation for the opening to to true commitment in relationship. Right. Um, and how that external commitment can invite us to examine where we haven't been integrity with our own internal needs, desires. Um, boundaries like so many of you are saying i wanted to bring forward a thread that that expands on the, the somatic experience because i think mark's bringing it into yeah our, our beautiful yoda-esque nature which is this constant compass we have to attune to what's what's a yes what's a no like what's really going on here is there's this beautiful concept and maybe you've heard me talk about it here on mine before but it's, a, it's from somatic experiencing work where it says state equals story. So the state of my nervous system, if I'm in a flight state or a freeze state, my mind will create a story to keep me in that state because that's what historically has felt safe and familiar. And I'm bringing this forward now because I'm seeing a lot of like, I feel trapped or I feel, yeah. um, you know, the kind of range. 
And I want to invite you to, when you experience that, as you're kind of crossing a new threshold or exploring a deeper commitment, to breathe into the, the that state, to just hit a pause button and take it slow. And I see a lot of you wise ones on here saying, like, slow down, take time. And that's such a beautiful reminder is, like, it doesn't have to be quick. Like, I can actually breathe into this state, into this story, and validate it of, like, yeah, I am afraid. Yeah, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose myself. Yeah, oh, I do feel trapped. Like, whatever the, that story is. And be like, you know what? Maybe... Um, maybe this is true, but I'm going to, I'm going to sit with this story and I'm going to breathe here into my nervous system until I feel regulated. And then from that space, I can move forward. And the reason I want to bring this forward is because this really is the alchemy of, of commitment, not only to self, but to other is when we are deepening into intimacy, we will hit these edges in our nervous system where it's like, I've never, I haven't opened in this way and I'm terrified and I'm not going to let the part of me that is terrified and afraid make this choice. I'm going to actually tend to it. I'm going to validate it. And maybe it is the right choice for me. But I'm actually going to breathe some space into this for that story to lose its charge and potentially open me up to more possibility and choice. Because at the end of the day, the lack of freedom is essentially a lack of choice. And how can we reattune to the truth that we do have choice? That's interesting. Because the idea that the lack of choice or the lack of freedom is that somehow commitment is a prison sentence, right? Which is, we know that the vows we are taught to make are till death do us part to honor and obey, right? These very much imprisoning terms. Um, you had to get the government's approval of divorce not that long ago. So that shows you like an external party gets to decide. Often people would only leave relationships if there was explicit abuse. And that was even tough. You know, so we are within our own bodies and what we've observed and inherited relationally. It makes sense that we feel imprisoned or trapped or um, that we feel desperate to have commitment because without it, we don't have safety. Right? This idea that even commitment, a declared a Facebook relationship status, a picture on social media somehow determines the actual that the commitment's present. But when we focus on like, hey, you don't post about me on social media, which doesn't mean that that can't be a subject or a curiosity. It's like we want the posting about because we don't feel safe. Like, you know, like I want to be introduced to your parents because it might be the next logical step in the relational thing. Um, but it's still important to recognize that without true safety and security, you cannot soften into the edges of who you are. Right. Like if Kai, like for Kai and I, and for anybody, I would argue, but for Kai and I, we know that the first commitment is her to her and me to me. And that commitment isn't happening separate from only, it's happening simultaneously with the commitment. Like for me, my commitment to myself is my commitment to Kylie too. And my commitment to Kylie is important because. It's sacred and so important to me that I must explore myself and I know that I must better myself. She didn't commit to who I was at the moment she committed. She committed to who I am also saying I'm going to continue to grow and expand into. And the interesting thing is I actually require relationship with Kylie 
in order to explore my edges and where I need to expand. Because without relationship with Kylie, I don't get an accurate barometer and feedback loop to how I am actually experienced in relationship. So as we said, like the commitment's the container, the commitment's the ingredient, the commitment to self is the ingredient and also the container. Like it's all alchemically required to cook you. And that's why love, the honeymoon phase is easy. You know, like it's, people don't even shower during it. I said this on my mind live on time. People don't, people don't shower as much. They don't, they, you know, they'll stay up late at night. They'll do anything at the beginning for the adventure. But eventually the truth that your partner is a human comes and they have flaws. And it's so important that we're always grounded in our experience of the container of the commitment, Um, which isn't to say that it's not natural to be carried away about the elation of possibility. But it's also that when I finally start to actually see when the neurochemistry calms down and I get to see Kai for who she truly is, not just to who I want to fall in love with and give her permission to be human and flawed. I actually give myself permission to be human and flawed. And we start to see that like what we don't do well in love um, is only brought forward by love and, Mm -hmm. and then changed hopefully. And I'm not going to lie. Like this is certainly different than my relationships um, before my early thirties, you know, before that, I didn't even think about all this. When my partner gave me feedback, I was like, I mean, do you really want to talk? I don't really want to talk anymore. And don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean we always want to talk, but anyways, babe, I went on a long rant. No, that was beautiful. Yeah. I'm just seeing so many, um, beautiful questions and comments here. And I, I wish we had time to go into depth on each of them. Um, it says there's choice always there though. It's like when I'm told here is the limit, it makes me want to push the limits. I'm going to, I'm going to address the first part and Mark, if you want to address the second part, you can, but I think I just want to circle back to is choice always there? Like it depends of course where we're at in our journey with choice, but I like the quote of the opposite of choice or the opposite of trauma is choice. And so when we're not in a trauma bond and we've done that work to heal those unmet needs and, and trauma bond dynamics, then there, then we do open up to the possibility to have more choice and agency. And that's because we've returned back home to our own internal foundation of safety and security. And we're no longer sourcing that at the expense of self. So there's a lot of layers in that process. And that's just not an overnight thing and something that, um, yeah, that we're going to expand on too far here, but it's like, how can I have freedom and boundaries? And I'd say that the only way to have freedom is to actually be in right relationship with our own boundaries. Um, because freedom essentially is the safety to be you. Right. Would you say like freedom is boundaries? Yeah. It's like a both. And I can't separate them in my mind. Yeah. Thanks Katie for that beautiful question though. And conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And you know, like the, I see that question, how can a partner understand the slowdown process, Mm -hmm. the need to take a minute to not allow fear to take over, might make them lose trust or feel insecure if that I need to slow down. There's two really important aspects that require each other in this. I think it's Tisha, I hope I, or Tesha, I think probably Tisha, I'm guessing. The one is that the fear of telling them you need to slow down, one, 
creates a dynamic where you actually don't feel free to express yourself. So just by not telling them, you actually create that. The second part is that your partner, if you were to bring forward your need to slow down, you're now honoring your body and your need for self-expression, and you're honoring your capacity in the relationship and what you need to build deeper trust with the commitment. Now, a partner like your partner that you're bringing forward, you might need to say, because it might bring forward their anxiety and their fear of abandonment, right? These usually pair really close together, um, is for the partner, it's actually important that it brings up their insecurity because their insecurity is, again, an unhealed aspect of their own dynamic in relationship and commitment. So you bringing it up facilitates the bringing forward. So the bringing forward of your insecurity brings forward their insecurity. And then both are allowed to cultivate a deeper level of trust. So you say, I need to slow down. What I mean by that is I just need to observe who I am. By doing that, you also bring forward the space that this container, this yeah. commitment is a space where we resolve these things. Um, and then the partner is then invited to lean into their insecurity and their fear you might leave. And you might need to say to them, I'm not going anywhere. I just need to explore this with you. When the commitment and the agreements of the relationship are, I'm here for you to heal your edges and you're here for you to heal your edges. Mm -hmm. And and so they want to participate in the healing and to, that actually creates more security, too, because now you're saying, I need you to be part of this slowing down so I can learn how to build trust and love again. And they're like, but I'm afraid you're going to leave. And you're like, I'm not going anywhere. And actually, what I'm inviting you to do is be more present here, just maybe not trying to fix it. Yeah. Right. Especially if your partner is a male. Um, we love to like get down into the fixing. Um, and one of the most <laughs> profound questions which i need to be reminded of sometimes by kylie is that i want to go into problem solving mode and sometimes i remember to say do you want me to listen or help and she'll be very clear which one she actually wants even though sometimes i'm like do are you sure you just want me to listen because <laughs> i've got some really good advice um Right. But that's the yeah. container of commitment. That's the alchemy of what you just, I mean, everything you just said was so beautiful. You bump up against the edges instead of letting it fall to the sediment, to the floor. It's like, nope, let's actually use this as a bridge for deeper intimacy, connection, truth telling, because that's what builds safety, intimacy, and connection is all of those pieces. And I think it was, I, I forgot where I heard this once, but if we look at and examine relationship as an alchemical container how do we honor the shared nervous system? Because at times it can feel like we're like, if we say one more thing or bring another piece forward, and maybe this is for a, a future conversation, it like just might implode. And then we might go our separate ways. And so I think there's this element of like, yeah, how can we slow things down and honor the shared capacity here? Because there are moments, at least at the beginning of, of 2.0, where I was very attuned to our shared nervous system. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to relax and soften into a little bit more trust because that's what this container needs right now. It doesn't need more fire. It needs more water, right? And, <laughs> and more play and more, more other things that we love as human beings. Yeah. It's interesting because like when you think about uh, two people often have separate needs in relationship in terms of one needs more space and one needs less space, generally, when we're still in an insecure attachment. But I'd say that mm -hmm. those happen anyways, just through the negotiations of 
challenges and conflict, like one person will be more likely to want to run and the other person will be more likely to want to chase. The interesting thing is like when that, that invitation to slow down is actually for most people, that would be scary for me historically. If someone said, can we slow down to me? Slowing down meant leave. Like I'm, I need space from you as opposed to space from speed or the acceleration out of presence, as opposed to like, when we're saying to them, I want to slow down, really what we're saying is I want to enjoy this moment so much, the richness of it without me wanting to leave it because being present to it is so important to me, this, this moment. And by slowing down, you have to be actually more present to what speed has allowed you to not acknowledge or feel into. You know, I sort of think of it similarly to when Kai has a problem and I want to solve it. It's because I don't, I was attuned to my mom wanting to solve her problems. And so it would cause me anxiety that there's a problem that exists because the problem that exists means I might identify as the problem or my mom being in a challenge means she can't be attuned to me and what my actual needs are. And so the same exists, like, can I slow down and let Kai have a challenge and that just be okay because challenges are okay, but she's actually attuned to me by sharing with me and seeing me as that space instead of me being like, ah, how do I fix it? You know, it's a really... And, and the relationship deepens and the trust deepens, but not only that, I see that it is not my job to solve the problems of the world, but rather to be attuned to the world. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, because it's not your responsibility to solve the problems, right? Right. And then... It, <laughs> you don't have to own, do that to source safety anymore. Right. And then mm -hmm. in my own work, yeah, it makes it so... If you present a challenge or a disagreement with something I say, which happens quite a bit these days, um, it, with some, not you personally, oh, I mean, <laughs> the internet doesn't agree with some of the things I say, um, which is totally okay. And actually now it doesn't bother me. There's a child part of me that, it, that it, it inflames sometimes, but actually I'm like, it's not my stuff which is really inter interesting. And sometimes it is my stuff, you know, like that's the cool mm -hmm. thing, but because there's a sense of self and trust with self now or developing always, I'm able to now at least attempt to figure out, is that me or not? You know? Um, yeah, I know. Guys like, wait, what? I mean, <laughs> uh. I'm like, no, babe, we're good. Oh, wow. Is there anything that we've, left out. I am in a powder room of sorts. I'm in a booth where we work <laughs> and I'm covered by a powder room would have better lighting. Um, I think the one thing I want to leave with, and then curious what you want to leave with is that ultimately the work we are always doing individually, which is part of the relational part, but this is really what each one of us participating in this session or watching the recording needs to, to be so cognizant of is that it's not that we are afraid of commitment or that we're afraid of love or we're afraid of being chosen. It's that it's what we associate with commitment and it's what we associate with love and it's what we associate with closeness. 
but it's actually that we don't trust ourselves to have ourselves and to hold on to ourselves when in relationship to those things. And so the commitment to yourself, which you can do in solo work and you can do in relational work, they can happen simultaneously and they can happen separately. That actually is the most important thing. And that trust in self, that that commitment to self first always. And when Kai said that when you're not, to not be in trauma is to be in choice. We all have different levels of trauma, but they're not a hierarchy. They're just a spectrum. And there is certainly more severe trauma that people have been through, more complex trauma. Um, and it doesn't minimize whatever your small, whatever your small T, big T trauma might be. And so in exploring that T, whatever it is, learning that you are always in choice, that I'm always choosing my partner. I can leave whenever I want. She can leave whenever she wants. But I'm always choosing to be here. If you're in a relationship with anything or anyone, you are choosing to be there. And you might not like that truth, but you are. And when you wake up to that truth or acknowledge that truth or just pay attention to it and let it cook you, you now are free. That's why small things like making your bed every morning, when you say I'm going to do that, seems trivial. It's not. It's actually how you cultivate trust with self, keeping word with yourself. Listen, I let down myself every once in a while. Said yesterday I was going to meditate for 30 minutes. I didn't meditate for 30 seconds. And I left feeling a lack of trust in myself. I did. I felt a sense of shame. Mm. Because when I say I'm going to do something, I didn't do it. I can't believe that I will if I do that. But I also have to be gentle with myself, too. And so there's this dance where I'm still going to continue to expand in what that means for me and grow on that edge. And what do I lose when I don't show up for me? What does it cost me? What does it cost my relationship to Kylie? Because if I'm not keeping my word to that, I'm probably not keeping my word sometimes to her. Like I said, I was going to call her in five minutes and I took about nine. So that's also true, right? Why not just say, I'll call you in 10 and then I have more space. Anyways, Kai, please. <laughs> I love you. Oh, yeah. It's, it, but it's that, it's that level of integrity, right? With self, with other, with your word that, that does cultivate that self-trust. It's just true. Uh, my invitation for each and every single one of you is to find a symbol that represents your commitment to your truth, your soul, your path. And the reason I bring that forward today is because that is key and crucial, you know, in building that self-trust, but also to cultivating liberated love. Because we all need to be, you know, and, and obviously this is a path and everybody's path looks beautiful and different and, and your path is, is sacred, unique, and perfect in the way it is. But I love a good symbol to remind me of my commitments to self, to soul. Um, I got this ring this is one of the rings I bought when I did like a marriage, a self-marriage ceremony to myself because I was like, I am no longer going to abandon myself ever again. And it was like, whatever I need to do, whatever work I need to do in order to make sure that I don't find myself repeating the same pattern over and over, I'll do it and have fun with it. What's, what's a symbol or something that you can use as a touchstone in your environment to remind you? of your devotion to liberated love because it starts here and ripples from there. So yeah, you know, I I um 
have rings that are different aspects of commitment. I have a tattoo that you can kind of see, not really, um, which is a commitment to my work and a commitment to my expansion. You can see that's my logo. I have this that Kylie got me in Egypt. I've got this, mm. which I've had since I was like 25, um, which is St. Christopher. I'm not religious, but it's a, a commitment and, and, and an idea of like, it's the patron, patron safe patron? of travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are all just different ways. You might get a tattoo. You might, you might buy yourself a ring. You might get a necklace. Um, <laughs> it's such a beautiful mm. reminder to yourself. And, and that your integrity is actually the most important thing. To be in integrity with whatever commitments you want to birth in the world, I, this isn't just about relationship, but it is also about relationship. In that whatever your soul is inviting from you to create, to speak, to share, to be, to be in integrity, as I said from the beginning, that Ram Das quote, that the truths that live within me are the truths that live outside of me. And whenever that's not true, I'm sending a message of both love and fear. This isn't to shame anybody for not having the truths that live in them be the truths that live outside of them. Because also, the truths that live outside of you, sometimes the inside doesn't live outside because it's not safe. Right? Like, ultimately, we don't share all all our truths because we're afraid of not belonging. Yeah. And... I mean, that's a whole other can of worms <laughs> because ultimately when you start to share your truths and, and get into alignment with that integrity, you realize that to belong to a group and not actually be who you truly are is actually not belonging um, when you have the awareness that it is costing you yourself. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Ooh, beautiful. Peace. Oh, my God. thank you so much for joining us in this series um somebody said like i have a hard time with the word integrity and i totally get that because it's a process of understanding and absorbing and exploring what that word means in our own system and body and being and so i guess i'll just invite you to continue to live in alignment with your body so get to know your body get to know the conversation that's happening here like your yes your no and just use that as a guidepost to continue to build that trust and integrity with with you. Yeah. We love yeah. you. Thanks so much for being here. And I think integrity and- can be a heavy word when we're not in integrity. And remember that everything, uh, how we show up to the world and our alignment is actually learned from what we observed. So if that wasn't valued around you, um, for whatever reason, can be for safety, then um, you learning to value it is you're returning back home to yourself. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.